Amen. Great, great singing today. Well, take your Bible, if you would please, and turn with me to the very first psalm. The very first psalm. And in just a few moments, we're going to begin reading in verse number one of the psalm and be reading all six verses that go to make up this, the very first psalm in your Bible. Thank you so very much, Dr. Beal, for the invitation to be a part of your chapel service this morning. What a blessing it is to be here. And what a joy it is to get to meet many of you. I'm hoping to get to shake several hands after the chapel service today. But what a joy it is to be here. I'm blessed to have two very special folks with me this morning. First of all, I have my wife, Cassandra, with me. And uh, we're thrilled to be here this morning. And then Dr. Leland Johnson is here. And Dr. Johnson is not only our West Indies Field Director at Macedonia, but he serves as our Deputation Director as well. And hey... He has a lot of applications, and you can fill one out today. We would love to help you get to where God has called you to go. And uh, all kidding aside, he does have some special cards that we brought just for you. If you're praying about the mission field today, we would love to be able to talk to you about where God has called you to go. And God has put it in our hearts to help you get there and do what God has put it in your heart to do. What a joy it is to be here today. Have you found your place in the very first psalm? If so, and if you're able, would you please stand as we read the Word of God together? We will be using our Bibles this morning in chapel, and therefore I trust you'll leave them handy. The very first psalm, verse number 1. The Word of God says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I want to call your attention, if I may, to the first four words of verse number one of this psalm. While seeking God's will for the service this morning, I could not get away from those First four words in verse number one, where the Bible says, blessed is the man. I want to preach on that thought this morning. Would you say those four words with me? Let's say them together, shall we? Blessed is the man. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Father, what a blessing, what a joy it has been to have been here in the chapel service thus far. 
Thank you, Lord, for the warm welcome that the staff here has given me and Miss Cassie. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to consider a portion of thy precious word. Lord, I pray that we would leave the chapel service having determined with all of our hearts today to not only be hearers, but to be doers of thy word. Father, I'm nothing without you. Help me, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated. Blessed is the man. I've always found it interesting while studying the six verses of Scripture that go to make up this particular psalm that the psalm itself can actually be divided into two very distinct sections. First of all, let's consider the latter portion of the psalm where where the Holy Spirit calls our attention to several truths concerning the godless man. Notice what your Bible says again, beginning with verse 4. The Word of God says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." My, what a contrast from the first three verses of the psalm. Have you ever taken the time to consider the contrast between the first three verses of Psalm 1 and the last three verses of Psalm 1? Now in verses 4, 5, and 6, we've already read what the Bible has to say about the godless man. However, within the first three verses of the psalm here, the Holy Spirit calls our attention to what God has to say about the godly man or, as he has identified in verse 1, the blessed man. Notice again what the Bible teaches us about the godly man, the blessed man in verses 1, 2, and 3. Look again, beginning with verse 1 with me. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, having considered the entire psalm, again, let me hasten to ask you, do you see the contrast within the psalm? Within the first three verses, the psalmist calls our attention to truths concerning the godly man. However, in verses 4 through 6, he calls our attention to several truths concerning the godless man. Let's break it down like this this morning. In verses 1, 2, and 3, the Bible teaches us about the saint. Whereas in verses 4, 5, and 6, the Bible teaches us about the sinner. 
In fact, I'm from the foothills of North Carolina, a fellow by the name of Alan Barker. I think you know Dr. Barker. Where we were born and raised, there was an old country preacher one time that said it like this while considering the very first psalm. He said in verses 1, 2, and 3, we see a picture of the saints. And in verses 4, 5, and 6, we see a picture of the ain'ts. Can I say amen to that? Amen. I don't know if you can talk that way here at Ambassador Baptist College, but where I'm from, that was the King's English. Amen. Here in the closing verses of this very first psalm, the Bible is speaking of an individual that deliberately chooses to leave God out of every hour area of their lives. The Word of God refers to such an individual as being an ungodly man. And everything about this ungodly man that we read about in the latter portion of the psalm before us sets him in stark contrast with the godly man that the Bible is careful to teach us about in verses 1, 2, and 3. Consider the truth, just by way of introduction to the message, that the Bible teaches us about the ungodly man. If you'll notice in verse 4, according to the Bible, the ungodly man is driven. He is driven as the chaff is driven away by the wind. Now, according to the text, the ungodly man is not only driven, but he is ultimately doomed because according to the text before us, as a result of his own choices, he has no standing in the day of judgment. My, what a sad commentary. But then the ungodly man is ultimately devastated according to verse 6 because the Bible teaches us that the way of such a man will perish. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Bible truth concerning the ungodly man, the man that has no time for God, the man that is unyielding when it comes to knowing and doing the will of God for his or her life. According to the Bible, such an individual is driven. He is doomed and he is ultimately devastated. However, again, what a significant contrast between the first three verses of the psalm and the last three verses of the psalm. Now we know we have taken the time to consider what God has to say about the godless man in verses 4, 5, and 6. But in what few moments that we have remaining in the chapel service this morning, I want to call your attention to what God has to say in the psalm concerning the godly man. Let me once again call your attention, if I may, to the first four words of verse number one, where the Bible says, blessed is the man. Now, you said those words with me before. Let's say them together again, shall we? Blessed is the man. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I see that word blessed in my Bible, I'm intrigued by that word. It could be that I long for a blessing. I'm very interested in that word blessed in the text. Did you know when you consider the word blessed in verse number one, you'll discover that the word of God here is actually teaching us a great deal about intense happiness. 
In fact, when you really dig into the truths of this single verse of Scripture, verse 1 of the very first Psalm, you'll discover that the Bible is emphasizing exactly that. Intense, extreme happiness. And therefore it goes without saying. Here through the pen of the psalmist before us this morning, the God of glory is teaching us how we can be not only happy, but extremely happy. Now, I don't know about you, but that interests me. Why, are you aware of the fact this very morning as I stand in the pulpit of the chapel service of the Ambassador Baptist College, there are people waking up all over the world that are literally paying millions and millions of dollars in order to discover how they can be happy. The world wants to know today how they can be happy. What God is showing us here in the very first psalm of our Bibles. And while God shows us the Holy Ghost drives it home, that true happiness, intense happiness, extreme happiness doesn't come from acquiring gold. True happiness, extreme happiness comes from knowing God. True happiness, extreme happiness does not lie in the philosophy of a world that has rejected Christ. Absolutely not. True happiness is experienced when an individual turns from his or her sin to the Savior and then having done so makes a conscious choice to live within the precepts of this book that I'm preaching from this morning. Such an individual is identified in the Bible as being a blessed man. So for the next very few moments, I'm going to call your attention, if I may, to just three truths about the blessed man, the individual that desires to be extremely happy and spend their life serving God. What is it that the Bible is teaching us about the blessed man here in the text? Well, first of all, number one, according to the three verses of Scripture that we're zeroing in on this morning, the blessed man lives a guarded life. Now, let me say that again. Don't miss this. The blessed man, the extremely happy man, lives a guarded life. Now, if you or I, either one, were to ask a modern-day psychologist, what does a man have to do to be extremely happy? Well, the modern-day psychologist would no doubt respond to that question by saying, well, if a man's going to be extremely happy in this negative world in which we are living, such an individual is going to have to learn the importance of emphasizing the positive. Such an individual is going to have to learn to think positive, to act positive. But isn't it amazing that here in the text in which the Lord has led us to this morning, as God begins to reveal the pathway to extreme happiness, God doesn't begin to reveal that pathway by emphasizing the positive. God begins to reveal the pathway to extreme happiness by emphasizing the negative. 
And the reason that I say God is emphasizing the negative here in the very first psalm is because according to the very first verse of this psalm, the blessed man, the extremely happy man, is not only known by what he does do, the extremely happy man is known by what he refuses to do. The blessed man lives a guarded life. Let me show it to you. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man that, watch your Bible now, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Please allow me to say it again. The blessed man, according to the text we're considering, is not only known for what he does do, he is also known for what he does not do. The blessed man, the extremely happy man, I believe I could say it like this. The man that God uses to the fullest extent, he lives a guarded life. Notice two things according to the text about the guarded life this blessed man lives. First of all, notice the progressive decline that is illustrated here. The Bible gives us three words here in the text which in turn illustrates such a spiritual decline. Do you see the word walketh in verse 1? Notice the word standeth. Notice the word sitteth. In these three words, walketh, standeth, seateth, sitteth, uh, we see a progressive decline that is illustrated here. In the word walketh, we have the idea of a casual acquaintance with the ungodly developing. In the word standeth, we see yet a closer relationship uh, coming to fruition. At this point, there is no longer a turning away from sinners, but rather a Stopping and an intermingling with them. Notice the progression of the text. The walking with the ungodly leads to the standing with the ungodly. And the standing with the ungodly will ultimately and always lead to the sitting with the ungodly. Do you see the word sitteth in the text? In that word sitteth we see a complete absorption into the sinner's ways and activities. At this point, if a man is sitting with sinners, he has now gone beyond walking with them and standing with them, and now he is sitting with them. He has become like the ungodly to the point that he is sitting with them. Do you see the progression? Do you see the progressive decline in the text that is illustrated? Oh, but let me hasten to remind you again. The blessed man, the extremely happy man, is known for what he refuses to do. The blessed man, he refuses to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. According to verse 1, he stands not in the way of sinners and he ultimately sits not in the seat of the scornful. And therefore, as we consider the blessed man's guarded life, we not only see the progressive decline that is illustrated, but we also see a perpetual defense as well. 
Did you notice according to verse 1 what the extremely happy man, the blessed man refuses to do? Well, according to verse 1, he refuses to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That simply means that he never seeks to know or live by advice given by those who do not know God or have no place for God in their lives. He refuses to walk into the counsel of the ungodly. According to verse 1, he refuses to stand in the way of sinners. Just to be very, very frank this morning, the blessed man chooses his friends wisely. The blessed man realizes that you are now or you soon will be what your friends are. He chooses his friends very wisely. And then the blessed man, according to the text, refuses to sit in the seat of the scornful. Again, that word sitteth in the text carries the idea of dwelling or remaining. Hear me this morning, the blessed man absolutely refuses to allow himself to become fascinated with the ways of the ungodly. And therefore, he lives a guarded life. Let let me put it like this this morning. There are some things that a blessed man will not do. Amen? There are some places that a blessed man will not go. There are some things that a blessed man will not say. There are some clothes that a blessed man will not wear. There is a company that the blessed man refuses. Are you getting the picture this morning? There are some things that a blessed man will not do. Because a blessed man lives a guarded life. Notice secondly, the blessed man lives a guided life. Not only a guarded life, but a guided life. Notice if you would please the progression of the text. Yes, the Bible does tell us what a blessed man won't do. But here in the same portion of our Bibles, the Word of God reveals what a blessed man does as well. Do you see it? Verse 2. But his delight, whose delight? The man that lives the guarded life, the blessed man, the extremely happy man. But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And of course, that, those words, law of the Lord, refers to the Scriptures, the Word of God. The law of the Lord refers to the Bible. The Bible, oh, please, please listen to what I'm saying this morning. The Bible is the guiding influence of the blessed man's life. Not public opinion, but the Bible. Not what is right in the eyes of men, but rather what is right in the eyes of God. The blessed man lives a guided life. According to the word of God before us this morning, if the Bible says it's right, then according to the blessed man, it's not up for discussion. It's right. If the Bible says it's wrong, then if you were to ask the blessed man, is it wrong? The blessed man would say, it's wrong. The blessed man is a man of the book. 
He is making much of the Bible and therefore the Bible is making much of him. The blessed man is much more interested in God's book than he is interested in Facebook. The blessed, I think I'll back up and say that again. The blessed man is much more, I'd hate to think I would spend more time in Facebook as a preacher of the gospel than I would spend in God's book. The blessed man lives a guided life. He is much more interested in hearing the words of the great I am than he is looking at the news feed on Instagram. He's not looking for an X. He's looking for a check from God on his life. He is guided by the Bible. He loves the Bible. He reads the Bible. He studies the Bible. He meditates upon the Bible. He loves to hear the Bible preached and taught. The blessed man is guided by the Bible. According to the text before us, verse 2, we see the blessed man's pleasure in the Word of God. He's delighting in it. In verse 2, we see the blessed man's pondering in the Word of God. He's meditating in it. In verse 2, we see the blessed man's persistence in the Word of God because he's not just meditating in the Bible on Sunday or Wednesday night. He's not just meditating on the Word of God during chapel services. Oh no, if you were to see the blessed man, you'd see him in some private room with his Bibles, uh, with his Bible open on his knees before the thrice holy God of glory. The blessed man is guided by the Bible. The blessed man feels the same way about the Bible that the prophet Jeremiah felt when he said in Jeremiah 15, Thy words were found and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. The blessed man is guided by the Bible. He reads the Bible. He believes the Bible. He loves the Bible. I believe the blessed man has memorized some scriptures out of the 119th Psalm. Like verse number one of that psalm that says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. The blessed man, I believe he has memorized verse two of the psalm of the 119th Psalm. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and they that seek him with the whole heart. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word? The blessed man realizes that sin will keep you from the Bible or, Bible or the Bible will keep you from sin. And therefore he has memorized verse 11 of the 119th Psalm where the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. I believe the blessed man has memorized verse 54 of the 119th Psalm. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. The blessed man is guided by the Bible not by the words of men but by the words of God he loves the Bible he memorizes the Bible he can't get enough of the Bible can I just stop right here long enough to say thank God for the Bible you want God to bless your life then you get excited about this book 
I'm preaching from. The blessed man, the extremely happy man is guided by the Bible. Then there's one other thing this psalm teaches us. Notice, again, if you would please, the progression of the text. The blessed man lives a guarded life. Yes, he is known not only for what he does, but but for what he does not do. The guarded life the blessed man lives will ultimately lead to a guided life. He's living according to the precepts of the Bible. And then the guided life will always lead to a gladdened life. The blessed man lives a guarded life. The blessed man lives a guided life. And because he lives a guarded life, and because he lives a guided life, he ultimately lives a gladdened life. Look with me again, if you would please, in verse 3. And... He, who is that? The blessed man. The man that lives a guarded life. The man that lives a guided life. The man that places more confidence in the word of God than he does in the words of men. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Oh, please allow me to call your attention to this Bible truth this morning. According to the Word of God, a guarded life and a guided life will always result in a gladdened life. In fact, the psalmist compares the man that lives a gladdened life with a tree. And by the way, not just any tree. Oh no, the psalmist mentions two things about this tree. First of all, it's a planted tree. And he shall be like a tree, verse 3 says, planted. The word planted speaks of stability. The extremely happy man, the blessed man, he's not up and down like a yo-yo. He's not in and out like a muskrat. Oh, absolutely not. He is planted. He is Stable. He is secure. He is steadfast. He's a planted tree. Boy, lots of preaching that I don't have time to do here. Did you notice where he was planted? He isn't planted by things that saps the life out of him. Oh no. According to verse 3, he's planted by rivers of water. He's planted by things that invest in him, that uh, make uh, him more accessible for the God of glory to use. He's planted by the things that puts life in him. He is a planted tree. And because he is planted by the rivers of water, ultimately he is a prosperous tree. The Bible says in the latter portion of verse 3 that he bringeth forth his fruit, and I love these next few words, in his season. In his season. His leaves are not withering. In fact, I love the way God summed up the prosperity of the blessed man in verse 3 when he said, And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God will bless a blessed man's home. 
God will bless a blessed man's ministry. God will bless a blessed man's relationship. A blessed man, the man that lives a guarded life, the man that lives a guided life, a guarded life, a a guided life will always lead to a gladdened life. I love the words in his season because the blessed man may not be as fruitful now as he will be. But the Bible teaches in verse 3 that his leaves are not withered. He knows if he just keeps standing sooner or later in God's time, in God's way, God will bring forth an abundant harvest. You may ask this morning, well, preacher Caudill, how does the blessed man stand in a day of adversity? We know that he will bring forth fruit in his season. That's what the Bible says in verse 3. But what, what is it that enables the blessed man to stand during the storms of life? How can the blessed man stand when he has more month at the end of the money than he has money at the end of the month? How does the blessed man stand when nothing seems to be going right? Well, in verse number 6, right in the middle of God teaching us about the ungodly man, he places a little gem. He he turns a little bit of light on in the midst of the darkness. Do you see it in verse 6? For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Do you want to know why you can stand when things do not make sense? Because the Lord knows where you are. The Lord knows what you need. So you can live an extremely happy life. You can be used of God to the fullest extent. You know how? Because the Lord knows. He knows what you need. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. Job put it this way. After he lost his fortune, after he had buried his children, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Then in verse 10 of Job 23, Job said this, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You want to know why we can bring forth fruit in our season? Because of the little light that God put in the middle of the darkness In verse number 6 of the first psalm. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. I'll share this true story with you. And I'm through this morning. 
Dr. Beal, thank you again for the opportunity to be here. I hope I get to come back sometime. I'm telling you, I love to come and preach chapel here. Thank you for allowing me to come. I remember when I was a senior in high school, Brother Leland, I had an English teacher and her name was Mrs. Blevins. Margie Blevins was her name. She was a Christian and made no bones about letting her classes know that she was a Christian. She's in heaven today. I shall never forget during my senior year, during uh, English, the very first day of class, Mrs. Blevins wrote on the chalkboard. Boy, I'm really telling my age now. Some of y'all might have to Google that. What is a chalkboard? Anyway, she had a chalkboard and she wrote with a piece of chalk on the board the requirements to graduate senior English. Now, many of you remember, if you don't pass senior English, you don't graduate high school. I really didn't care that much about English at the time, but I surely cared about graduating high school. I wanted out of there. And when Mrs. Blevins wrote the qualifications of what it would take in order to graduate senior English, one of the qualifications was to give an oral report. When I saw that on the chalkboard, my heart sunk because not only could I not give an oral report, I would not give an oral report. So I let the class finish that day and after class was over, I went to Mrs. Blevins and I said, Mrs. Blevins, I can't give an oral report. I can't. I just can't do it. Now, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do extra credit. I'll read more books. I'll run around the classroom jumping up and down screaming like a Comanche Indian. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But Mrs. Blevins, I can't. I won't give an oral report. And of course, just to make a whole long story short, Mrs. Blevins worked with me and I got beyond that and I think I made a stab at it, but I felt so bad when it was over. And by the way, believe it or not, I did graduate senior English and I did graduate high school. I know that surprises some of you, but I did graduate high school. But sometimes, Dr. Bill, I... I wish the Lord would allow Miss Blevins to just take a little peek at who's preaching chapel this morning at the Ambassador Baptist College. I want to tell you, you may be here this morning and the enemy's tried to convince you, you can't do anything. What are you doing in Bible college? If you will just determine this morning to live a guarded life. If you will just determine to fall in love with this book, 
If this book, if you will allow it to become more to you than just a book you carry to Bible class, if you learn the joy of believing this Bible, of living according to His precepts, then God has promised you, you can live a gladdened life and whatsoever you do will prosper. Preacher, I just don't know if I... Oh, yes, you can. You want to know why? Because the Lord knows the way of the right.